Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Endgame, Irrational Acts, Tragic Consequences, written by Theodore Jerome Cohen. Cutting-edge drama and suspense. Endgame, Irrational Acts, Tragic Consequences, is book three of the Antarctic Murders Trilogy. In many ways, it brings to an end three things. The sagas of Captain Roberto Munoz of the Leontour, the hunt for the millions of dollars in U.S. and British cash, negotiable securities, gold coins, and jewelry stolen from the Banco Central de Chile following the Chilean earthquake of May 1960, and the murders that followed the robbery. Book 1, Frozen in Time, Murder at the Bottom of the World, introduced American scientists Ted Stone and Grant Morris who, while performing geological and geophysical fieldwork with the assistance of Captain Roberto Munoz of the Chilean auxiliary tug Tour, were caught up in the hunt for the robbers and spoils from the robbery and murder. Unfinished Business, Pursuit of an Antarctic Killer, introduced Captain Mateo Valderas and Lieutenant Commander Antonio del Rio of the Chilean Navy's Office of Internal Affairs. Initially assigned to solve a murder in Africa, they soon found themselves facing perhaps the most vicious, cunning thief and murderer they ever encountered. The return of American scientists Ted Stone and Grant Morris to Santiago for the purpose of helping personnel of the University of Chile prepare for the 20th Chilean expedition to the Antarctic beginning in December 1965, jeopardizes the lives of both scientists. What irrational acts will elicit the tragic consequences that finally bring everything to an end? For the answer, listen to Book 3, Endgame, Irrational Acts, Tragic Consequences. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Endgame. 1. Captain Roberto Munoz looked as if he had been sucker-punched. His head jerked slightly to the right at what he heard, and his eyes widened in disbelief. The moment passed as quickly as it had arrived, and the captain regained his composure almost immediately. The episode, however brief, did not escape Captain Baldera's eyes. Years of experience had taught him that only in a moment such as this a brief, fleeting moment just before logic takes over and rationalizes away what he had seen, is it possible to detect the tell? If Captain Munoz didn't just realize he has a problem, one having a major impact on his life, thought Balderas, then it's time for me to submit my resignation to internal affairs. Moments earlier, Captain Munoz his companion, Senora Maria Barbudo, Lieutenant Commander Cristian Barbudo's widow, and Senora Barbudo's mother, Senora Ariana Valencia, had been lounging in the lobby of the Teatro Universidad de Chile. They had been exchanging pleasantries with Captain Balderas, his companion, Senora Lucia Aguilera, Captain Del Rio, and the captain's wife, Senora Emilia Del Rio. It was September 18, 1965, and tonight, the university's Orquesta Sinfonica was to perform in concert. As the seven of them were chatting, Professor and Senora Barria arrived. 
Professor Alejandro Barria was one of the most renowned geologists and seismologists in North and South America. In fact, he recently had been named Professor Emeritus in the Department of Geology and Geophysics at the University of Chile. Professor Barria's wife, Valentina, immediately recognized Lucia Aguilera in the crowd. For years, their daughters attended secondary school together, and the two mothers shared a warm friendship. Valentina was ecstatic at seeing her. I didn't know you attended these concerts, Lucia. We will have to attend together in the future. Yes, yes, of course. It would be wonderful. By the way, Valentina, may I introduce you and your husband to Captain Mateo Balderas? The professor shook hands with Balderas. Con mucho gusto, Capitan. Lucia continued her introductions. I also would like to introduce you both to Captain Roberto Munoz and Senora Barbudo, to Senora Barbudo's mother, Senora Ariana Valencia, and to Captain Antonio del Rio and his wife, Emilia. Emilia and I worked together downtown. After greetings were exchanged, Professor Barria cocked his head to one side and, squinting, remarked, Munoz, Captain Munoz, why is that name so familiar? Before anyone could answer, the professor remembered. Ah, yes, you were the courageous captain of the Lientour, who attempted to rescue Commander Barbudo from a crevasse in Antarctica three years ago. Senora Barbudo, Senora Valencia, we are so sorry for your loss. Please accept our deepest sympathies. Maria and her mother thanked them for their thoughtfulness and everyone acknowledged how courageous it was of Captain Munoz to send a rescue party to shore, given the severity of the weather and the threat to his ship from the icebergs in the Bransfield Strait. Captain Munoz acknowledged their comments with humility. Thirty-nine years old, he was a tall, muscular man with steel-gray eyes and a serious demeanor. A bachelor, he graduated with honors from the Chilean Naval Academy, and went on to become an experienced ship's captain. Though born into poverty, his father's employer, owner of one of the country's largest copper mines, sponsored him for admission to the Naval Academy, he was considered by many to be destined for flag command. Importantly, he was a born leader. At the helm, he spoke with authority and commanded not only for reasons based on his rank and position, but also on his ability to motivate his crew and convince them of their ability to achieve uncommon results, even when faced with the most difficult of challenges. Which is exactly why he and his crew, working under some of the most extreme weather conditions ever experienced by the Chilean Navy in the history of Chile's Antarctic explorations, though unable to rescue Commander Barbudo, were able to rescue the American scientist who was trapped with the commander in February 1962. Currently, the captain was serving as an international liaison officer based in fleet headquarters, Santiago. Sensing that he might have embarrassed the captain, Professor Barria looked at Munoz and said, But I have great news for you, Captain. Oh, what's that, sir? I received a telegram today from my old friend at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, Professor Ethan O'Malley. In it, he said that your friends... Ted Stone and Grant Morris will be traveling to Santiago at the end of November. Stone will be accompanied by his wife, Susan. He will be bringing a Worden gravimeter with him, 
which the University of Wisconsin will be loaning to us for a year. Senor Stone also will be instructing my students in the use of the instrument, as well as in the data reduction methods to be used when they head to Antarctica. Dr. Grant Morris, who finished his Ph.D. under Ethan, and now is teaching at the Southwest Center for Advanced Studies in Dallas, is coming to give two lectures on the work he will be doing this coming summer in Antarctica. We are very excited about their coming to visit with us. Captain Roberto Munoz was stunned, but regained his composure almost immediately. Why, that's wonderful, Professor, the captain stammered, his voice breaking slightly. Beads of perspiration broke out on his forehead. He put his right hand into his pocket and flipped the coins there, one atop the other, over and over again as he spoke. I haven't seen them since the 16th Chilean expedition to the Antarctic ended in Puerto Williams in March 1962. When are they expected to arrive in Santiago? Well, they should get here before everyone going to Antarctica leaves for Punta Arenas, so I expect it will be sometime around November 25th. In fact, I've purchased three extra tickets for the concert on the evening of November 27th. Valentina and I plan to host the Americans as guests of the department. You know, Professor O'Malley told me that Stone is quite an accomplished violinist. In fact, Ethan told me that he had been named co-first chair of his hometown's all-city senior orchestra. I'm going to see if it might be possible to get him backstage after the performance to meet the conductor. Are you planning to attend the performance? Everyone nodded, including, especially including, Captain Munoz. But just as the house lights flickered, warning those in the lobby that the performance was about to begin, it did not escape Captain Balderas' eye that Munoz appeared to have something on his mind. Pursed lips and a set jaw betrayed his suspect's sinister agenda. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Endgame. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.